Tragedy of Macbeth, Act 1, Scene 1. An open place. Thunder and lightning enter three witches. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, that will be ere the set of sun, where the place upon the heath, there to meet with Macbeth, I come, Grey Malkin, Paddock calls anon. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Excellent. Act 1, Scene 2. A camp near forest. Alarum within. Enter King Duncan, Malcolm, Donald Bane. Lennox with attendants meeting a bleeding captain. What bloody man is that? He can report a seameth by his plight of the revolt of the new estate. This is the sergeant who, like a good and hardy soldier, fought against my captivity. Hail, brave friend, say to the king the knowledge of the broil as thou didst leave it. Doubtful it stood as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art, the merciless MacDonwald, worthy to be a rebel, for to that the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. From the western isles of Kearns and Gallo glasses is supplied, and fortune on his damned quarrel smiling showed like a rebel's whore, but all's too weak. For brave Macbeth, well, he deserves that name, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution like Valor's minion carved out his passage, till he faced the slave, which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the nave to the chops and fixed his head upon our battlements. Oh, valiant cousin, worthy gentleman, as whence the sun gins his reflection, shipwracking storms and direful thunder break, so from that spring whence comfort seemed to come discomfort swells. Mark, King of Scotland, mark, no sooner justice had with valor armed compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels. But the Norwegian lord, surveying vantage with furbished arms and new supplies of men, began a fresh assault. Dismayed not this our captains, Macbeth and Banquo? Yes, as sparrows, eagles, or the hare, the lion, if I say sooth, I must report they were as cannons overcharged with 
doubled cracks. So they doubly redoubled strokes upon the foe, except they meant to bathe in reeking wounds or memorize another Golgotha. I cannot tell, but I am faint. My gaseous cry for help. So well thy words become thee as thy wounds. They smack of honor both. Go, get him, surgeons. Exit, captain, attendant. Enter Ross and Angus. Who comes here? The worthy Thane of Ross. What a haste looks through his eyes. So should he look that seems to speak things strange. God save the king. Whence comes thou, worthy Thane? From Fife, great king, where the Norwayan banners flout the sky and fan our people cold. Norway himself with terrible numbers, assisted by that most disloyal traitor, the Thane of Cawdor, began a dismal conflict till the Bellona's bridegroom lapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons, point against point, rebellious arm against arm, curbing his lavish spirit, and to conclude, the victory fell on us. Great happiness! That now Sueno, the Norway's king, craves composition, nor would we deign him burial of his men till he dispersed at St. Colm's Inch ten thousand dollars to our general use. No more that fane of Cador shall deceive our bosom interest. Go, pronounce his present death, and with his former title, greet Macbeth. I'll see it done. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Exit. Act 1, Scene 3, A Heap, Thunder, Enter, the three witches. Where has thou been, sister? Killing swine. Sister, where thou? A sailor's wife had chestnuts in her lap and mounched and mounched and mounched. Give me, quoth I. Aroin to thee, witch, the rumpfed Ronion cries, her husband's to a leap, O gone, master of the tiger, but in a sue I'll fit her sail, and like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll do. I'll give thee a wind, thou'rt kind. And I another, I myself have all the other, 
and the very ports they blow, all the quarters that they know. If the shipman's card, I will drain him dry as hay. Sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid. He shall live a man forbid, weary suing nights nine times nine. Shall he dwindle, peak and pine, though tough his bark cannot be lost, yet it shall be tempest-tossed. Look what I have! Show me, show me! Here I have a pilot's thumb, racked as homeward did he come. Drum within. A drum, a drum, Macbeth doth come. The weird sisters, hand in hand, posters of the sea and land, thus do go about, about, thrice to thine, and thrice to mine, and thrice again to make up nine. Peace, the charms wound up. Enter Macbeth and Banquo. So foul and fair a day I have not seen. How far is it called to Forres? What are these? So withered and so wild in their attire that look not like the inhabitants of the earth and yet are aunt. <clears throat> Live you? Or are you aught that man may question? You seem to understand me. By each at once her choppy finger laying upon her skinny lips, you should be women. And yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. Speak, if you can. What are you? All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Glamis. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. All hail Macbeth, that shalt be king hereafter. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? In the name of truth, are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner, you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope, that he seems wrapped withal. To me you speak not, if you can look into the seed of time and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak then to me who neither beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. Hail, 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 lesser than Macbeth and greater, not so happy yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none, so all hail. Macbeth.
and Banquo. Banquo and Macbeth all hail. Stay, you imperfect speakers. Tell me more, by Sinal's death, I know I am Thane of Glamis, but how of Cawdor? The Thane of Cawdor lives a prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief, no more than to be Cawdor. Say, from whence you owe this strange intelligence, or why upon this blasted heath you stop our way with such prophetic greetings? Speak, I charge you. Witches vanish. Poof. <gasps> the earth hath bubbles as the water has, and these are of them. Whither are they vanished? Into the air, and what seemed corporal melted as breath into the wind. Would they had stayed. We're such things here as we do speak about, or have we eaten on this insane route that takes the reason prisoner? Your children shall be kings, you shall be king, and Thane of Cawdor too. Went it not so? <laughs> to the self-same tune of words. Who's here? Enter Ross and Angus. The king hath happily received Macbeth, the news of thy success, and when he reads thy personal venture in the rebel's fight, his wonders and his praises do contend which should be thine or his silence with that in viewing or the rest of the self-same day he finds thee in the stout Norwayan ranks, nothing afeard of what thyself didst make, strange images of death. As thick as tale came post with post, and everyone did bear thy praises in his kingdom's great defense, and poured them down before him. We are sent to give thee from our royal master thanks, only to herald thee into his sight, not pay thee. And for an earnest of a great honor, he bade me from him call thee Thane of Cawdor, in which addition hail most worthy Thane, for it is thine. What? Can the devil speak true? The Thane of Cawdor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Who was the Thane that lives yet? But thunder, heavy judgment bears that life which he deserves to lose, whether he was combined with those of Norway or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage, or that with both he labored in his country's rack, I know not, but... Treason's capital confessed and proved have overthrown him. Glamis and Thane of Cawdor? The greatest is behind. Thank you for your pains. Do you not hope your children shall be kings when those that gave the Thane of Cawdor to me promised no less to them? That trusted home 
might yet enkindle you unto the crown besides the thane of Cawdor, but tis strange, and oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles to betray in deepest consequence. Cousin, a word, I pray you. Two truths are told as happy prologues to the swelling act of the imperial theme. I thank you, gentlemen. This supernatural soliciting cannot be ill, cannot be good. If ill, why hath it given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am Thane of Cawdor. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair? and make my seated heart knock at my ribs against the use of nature. Present fears are less than horrible imagings. My thought, whose murder yet is but fantastical, shakes so my single state of man that function is smoother in surmise, and nothing is but what is not. Look how our partners wrapped. If chance will have me king, why chance may crown me without my stir. New honors come upon him like our strange garments, cleave not to their mold but with the aid of use. Come what come may, time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Give me your favor. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, your pains are registered where every day I turn the leaf to read them. Let us toward the king. Think upon what hath chanced, and at more time, the interim having weighed it, let us speak our free hearts each other. Very gladly. Till then, enough. Come, friends. Excellent. Scene 4. Horus. A room in the palace. Flourish. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbane, Lennox, and attendants. Is execution done on Cawdor? Are not those in commission yet returned? My liege, they are not yet come back, but I have spoke with one that saw him die, who did report that, very frankly, he confessed his treason. I implore your highness pardon and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like deleting it. He died, as one that had been studied in his death to throw away the dearest thing he owed, as twere a careless trifle. Mm -mm -mm. There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built an absolute trust. Enter Macbeth, Banquo, Ross, and Angus. Oh, worthiest cousin, the sin of my ingratitude, even now, was heavy on me. Thou art so far before that swiftest wing of recompense is slow to overtake thee. Would thou hadst less deserved that the proportion both of thanks and payment might have been mine, only I have left to say. More is thy due than more than all can pay. The service and the loyalty I owe in doing it pays itself, your highness. Part in doing 
so is to receive our duties and our duties are to your throne and state children and servants which do but what they should by doing everything safe toward your love and honor welcome hither i have begun to plant thee and will labor to make thee full of growing noble banquo that has no less deserved nor must be known no less to have done so let me enfold thee and hold thee to my heart there if i grow the harvest is your own my plenteous joys wanton and fullness seek to hide themselves in drops of sorrow sons kinsmen thanes and you whose places are the nearest know we will establish our estate upon our eldest malcolm whom we name hereafter the prince of cumberland which honor must not unaccompanied invest him only but signs of nobleness like stars shall shine on all deservers from hence to inverness and bind us further to you the rest is labor which is not used for you i'll be myself the harbinger and make joyful the hearing of my wife with your approach so humbly take my leave my worthy cador the prince of cumberland that is a step on which i must not fall down or else or lap for in my way it lies stars hide your fires let not light see my back and deep desires the eye wink at the hand yet let that be which the eye fears when it is done to see exit true worthy banquo he is full so valiant and in his commendations i am fed it is a banquet to me let's after him whose care is gone before to bid us welcome it is a peerless kinsman flourish excellent act one scene five Inverness, a room in Macbeth's castle. Enter Lady Macbeth, reading a letter. They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfect's report they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves air, into which they vanished. While I stood wrapped in the wonder of it, came missives from the king who all hailed me Thane of Tordor, by which title before these weird sisters saluted me and referred me to the coming on of time with ale? King that shalt be, this have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the deuce of rejoicing by being ignorant of what greatness is promised thee. Lay it to thy heart and farewell. Glamis thou art, and Cawdor, and shalt be what thou art promised, yet do I fear thy nature, it is too full of the milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition, but without the illness should attend it, what thou wouldst highly, that wouldst thou wholly. Wouldst not play false, and yet wouldst wrongly win, thou'dst have great glamour, that which Christ 
thus thou must do, if thou have it, and that which rather thou dost fear to do than wishest should be undone. Hide thee hither that I may pour my spirits in thine ear and chastise with the failure of my tongue and all the impedes thee from the golden round which fate and metaphysical aid both seem to have thee crowned withal. Enter a messenger. What is your tidings? <gasps> the king comes here tonight. Thou art mad to say it. Is not thy master with him? Who wert so would have informed for preparation? So please you, it is true, our thane is coming. One of my fellows had the speed of him, who almost dead for breath had scarcely more than would make up his message. Hmm, give him tending. He brings great news. Exit messenger. The raven himself is hoarse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood, stop up the access and passage to remorse, that no compucious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose, nor keep peace between the effect and it. Come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gal, you murdering ministers, wherever in your scythless substances you wait on nature's mischief. Come, thick night, and pell the indeed dunnest smoke of hell that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry. Hold, hold, enter Macbeth. Great Glamis, worthy Cawdor, greater than both by the all hail hereafter. Thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the instant. My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight. And when goes hence? Tomorrow, as he purposes. Oh, never shall sun that morrow see. Your face, my fane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the timer. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue, look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom. We will speak further. Only look up clear to alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Excellent. Act 1. Scene 6. The same before the castle. Hot bows, servants of Macbeth, attending. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donald Bain, Banquo, Lennox, Macduff, Ross, 
Angus, and attendants. This castle hath a pleasant seat, the air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. This guest of summer, the temple-haunting martlet, does approve by his loved mansionry that the heaven's breath smells wooingly here. No juddy freeze buttress nor coin of vantage, but this bird hath made his pendant bed and procreant cradle where they most breed and haunt. I have observed the air is delicate. Enter Lady Macbeth. See, see, our honored hostess, she love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank as love. Herein uh, I teach you how you shall bid God yield us for your pains and thank us for your trouble. <laughs> All our service. In every point twice done and then done double were poor and single business to contend against those honors deep and broad wherewith your majesty loads our house for those of old and the late dignities heaped up to them we rest your hermits where's the fane of Cawdor? we him at the heels and had a purpose to be his purveyor but he rides well and his great love sharp as his spur hath holp him to his home before us fair and noble hostess we are your guests tonight your servants ever have theirs themselves and what is theirs in compt to make their audit at your highness pleasure still to return your own give me your hand conduct me to mine host we love him highly and shall continue our graces towards him by your leave hostess excellent act one scene seven the same a lobby in the castle hot bows and torches enter and pass over a sewer and diverse servants with dishes and service then enter macbeth if it were done when tis done then twere well it were done quickly if this assassination could trammel up the consequence and catch with his sir C's success that but his blow might be the be-all and the end-all here but here upon this bank and shoal of time we jumped alive to come but in this cases we still have judgment here that we but teach bloody instructions which being thought return to plague the inventor this even-handed justice commands the ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips he's here in double trust first as i am his kinsman and his subject strong both against the deed then as his host who should against his murderer shut the door not bear the knife myself besides this duncan hath borne his faculties so meek hath been so clear in his great office that his virtues will plead like angels 
trumpet tongued against the deep damnation of this taking off and pity like a naked newborn babe striding the blast or heaven's turbulent forced upon the sightless couriers of the air shall blow the horrid deed and every eye that tears shall drown the wind i have no spur to prick the sides of my intent but only vaulting ambition which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other enter lady macbeth how now what news he has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber? Had he asked for me? Know you not, he has. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk, wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since, and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? From this time, such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteems the ornament of life, and live a coward? in thine own esteem, letting I dare not wait upon I would like the poor cat in the adage. Pray thee, peace, I dare do all that may become a man who dares do me is none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man, and to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man, nor time, nor place that then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck, and know how tender it is to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from this boneless gums and dashed the brains out had I so sworn as you have done to this. If we should fail, we fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place and we'll not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him? His two chamberlains will I with wine and vast sail so convinced that memory the warder of the brain shall be a fume, and the receipt of reason a limbic only, when in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in death. What cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great quell? Bring forth men, children, only for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of his own chamber and used their very daggers that they have done it? Who dares receive it other? 
as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death. I am settled and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat of way and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. X-Wing.